Before we get to our Game of Thrones Season 8 preview here on Post Show Recaps, want to take a moment and talk about Forge of Empires. Have you played the new game, Forge of Empires? It's a city-building game and is also our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. In Forge of Empires, you can guide a village through the different epochs of human history, from the Stone Age to the future. Through skillful planning on the battlefield, you can expand your sphere of influence and create an impressive empire. What's more... There is continuous content updates to ensure years of fun together with millions of players around the world. Guess what? You can switch between a browser, iOS, and Android devices at any time when you play Forge of Empires. If you're new to Forge of Empires, I've got some great news for you for a limited time only. Fans of post-show recaps can go to forgeofempires.com slash rob and get a bonus $10 worth of diamonds. Now, this is virtual in-game currency. No cash payout. Only for the new registrations and non-transferable. Please remember to download the game at forgeofempires.com slash rob and don't forget the slash rob in order to get yourself started with that $10 starter package. That's going to give you the virtual in-game currency of 650 diamonds. What? Yes. Start building your own empire. Go to forgeofempires.com slash Rob. Now download, install, click claim your gift and get 650 diamonds right from the start when you play Forge of Empires. Winter was here, but we are just getting started talking about season eight of Game of Thrones, if you can believe it. And now here are the two guys who are going to take you on this journey for the throne. I'm Rob Sestrino back with Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you? Rob, here we are. On the road to Westeros. Yes. Uh, the one would argue, and that one would be me, that we have been on the road to Westeros for a solid year and a half already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. A very long time. And we are only days away now from the big premiere of season eight of Game of Thrones, the Ocho. The Ocho. I believe that's the official name of the season eight <laughs> premiere as well. Uh, clocking in at 54 minutes, directed by David Nutter, written by Dave Hill. The season eight premiere of Game of Thrones, The Ocho. Uh, any Is that speculation the title of the episode? Yeah, any speculation for what that might mean, The mm. Ocho? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, no. Is it the return of a wildling who may or may not be related to Osha the wildling? <laughs> it's Osha's brother, Osho, who is coming uh, for vengeance against uh, the Boltons, only to find that the Boltons are all dead. And so they, this person shows up and has nothing to do for the rest of the final season. Yes, we can only, we can only hope so. Yeah. Is, so what what is the name of uh, the season eight premiere? So we're recording this on the Tuesday before the season premiere. It is April 9th as Rob and I are recording this podcast. And through April 9th, 2019, with days to go before HBO drops the final season premiere of Game of Thrones, that episode remains untitled. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, they are being very 
pretty cagey about the information that they want to reveal yeah. here coming Although, into the final season. In fairness, like I remember with season seven, it was like the season seven premieres like Dragonstone. And then the, like they were all like very like Danny centric themes uh, for the titles of the first couple episodes from season seven. So right. I, I guess that, the, that they can be a little spoilery. I guess. I mean, it's just Dragonstone. I mean, I guess, I guess so. it, like it gives you like a little bit of an indication of of what's at store. But like, this, should should we take this that the episode titles are going to be so specific that it will reveal everything? Like, if the season premiere is Jon Snow dies again, yeah. Like, yeah, maybe like keep that close to the vest. Maybe but it's that like feels- Friends now, where it's like uh, the one where the Night King <laughs> gets to Winterfell. Yeah, the one where Bran learns how to walk again. The one mm-hmm. where Arya takes a million other faces. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, I understand being cagey. I understand not could wanting be the Ocho. to. It could be the Ocho for as far as we know, until proven otherwise. I think let's go with the Ocho. How will we find out what the name of the episode was after we watch it on Sunday? Will there be a press release? Yeah, my expectation is that you and I will get off the the phone together. We will stop recording this podcast and somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, within 24 hours from the time you and I hang up, uh, the name of the Game of Thrones season eight premiere will be revealed. And then if you want to find out what that is, why don't you head over to THR.com slash Game of Thrones? Because your boy Josh Wiggler will probably have a thousand words dedicated to unpacking the meaning of the name of the season eight premiere. Yeah. What do you think I, about that? I don't recall if any TV show has ever had this before where the name of the episode is a mystery until after it airs. Uh, I'm sure that there are examples. I'm just not thinking of them right mm-hmm. now. Okay. Uh, so we'll know. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll know. And, like, and, and uh, I think there are plenty of shows we did not days. know what the name of the episode is. Like not every episode of, of TV like has the name prominently. But I feel like that the keeping the name of the episode a secret seems odd. It seems odd. But I think that, the, you know, we're we have six episodes of this show left. I think that Game of Thrones, I don't think I know that Game of Thrones sells itself. Uh, HBO doesn't have to do anything other than put the episode on television and they're still going to get millions of people watching. Uh, so to the, to the point that I'm surprised that they even released a, an actual uh, fairly uh, packed, significant trailer uh, before the final season dropped. So okay. uh, they really don't have to do anything. You know, All right, it's, so it's, we are it's talking about itself. Sunday night's premiere of Game of Thrones, but uh, just a little bit of housekeeping in terms of what we have in store for you. So live after the episode on Sunday night, the Snow It Alls will return with some uh, live coverage of each episode of Game of Thrones that we are going to uh, have uh, Stephen Fishback return from House Fishback. House Fishback. Sir Stephen returning to his podcasting throne to take on each and every episode of Game of Thrones with you live. What a delight. Can't wait to listen. Yes. So Stephen Fishback and I will be live after the episode and then... Uh, come uh, Mondays or Tuesdays during the week, Josh and I will be back together for our Game of Thrones feedback show. Yes. So uh, much like what you're going to get into today, it'll be a little bit of a preview of how the podcasts will go when Rob and I are surveying 
the final season. The day job is going to be keeping me way too occupied to do the live Sunday night podcast as much as I would love to be there. So you'll have to wait an extra day or two for Rob and I to get together, but it'll be fun. We'll be talking about your feedback, your questions, your takes on the episodes uh, as we're about to do today. Uh, we got a lot of great submissions from you guys for this podcast, and we'd love to keep that up all season long. There are tons of ways to get that material to us. GOT at post show recaps.com is our email address we also have our feedback form that's uh, postshowrecaps.com slash feedback we have a feedback form there all of that comes our way if you want to submit through there you could also tweet at us rob is at rob sesterdino of course i am at round howard all of those are uh, great ways to get your questions your comments your feedback into us and we will be dealing with all of that in our midweek shows uh throughout the final season okay all right. So, Josh, can you set up what we're going to do today? Yeah. So today, this is our last chance to to kind of, you know, call our shots on on Game of Thrones. I mean, we'll be doing a bunch of that, I'm sure, throughout the final season podcasting. But this is before, uh, you know, the the cork has truly popped on Game of Thrones. You know, we're, we're still talking about this as though it's the Ocho as opposed to whatever it's about to be. Uh, so we're going to deal with feedback. We're going to talk about people's theories, their questions, things that they are wondering heading into the final season. Uh, I think a lot of People are wanting to to get our takes, Rob, on who's going to live, who's going to die, who's going to win the Iron Throne. We'll do some drafting as well by the end of this podcast and uh, just, you know, general nostalgic waxing poetic about this journey we've been on for, uh, you know, a decade or so. And certainly as far as podcasting goes, many moons, many years. Mm -hmm. We have, you know, we've been talking about Game of Thrones for just about our entire podcasting relationship, Rob. Yeah. Doesn't seem real. Doesn't seem real that we have only a couple episodes uh, left to go. It's wild. It's wild. It's wildfire. Yeah. I mean, uh, Game of Thrones uh, came on when? In 2012? Is that or 2011? 2011. 2011. 2011. Yeah, 2011. So, so uh, rounding out uh, an Ocho year run. <laughs> yeah. For the Ocho. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's crazy. Yeah, you know, this is I, I think uh, it's it's obviously a very loaded time for for everybody. People are very excited about the end of the show. People are sad to see it go. People are concerned as well. Uh, and unless you've got what more are people to concerned say, about that people are going to die? Well, I think that this is a good segue into uh, the, the start of the feedback portion of this podcast. If you're ready for it. Mm hmm. OK, I'm ready. All right. So, well, let's get into the to the matter of concerns. And this is uh, this was a question that was sent to us by Andy Lee. Andy wrote in and said, I guess I'm not so much into the speculating as to who will end up on the throne or how it's all going to play out. I'm more concerned with whether or not the show will pay off in a way that is better than anything we have ever seen. Hmm. It was so good through the first six seasons, and then I felt it got sloppy last season. Maybe it's because it was trimmed to fewer episodes. I got caught up in the attention to detail or lack thereof. Don't get me wrong. It's still the greatest show of all time, in my opinion, but I want it to finish strong. Do you have any concerns about this? That is Andy's question to us. And I think that this is something that's very much on the mind of a lot of people who've been watching Game of Thrones for a while. There are certainly people who are 
all the way out, hard thumbs down on where Game of Thrones has gone in the last couple of seasons, in season seven specifically. Uh, a couple of people who were reacting to uh, our rewatch of Beyond the Wall, shout out to Geek Furious, saying worst episode of the series. Plenty of people who who feel that way. And I think some not unjustifiable concerns that maybe, Rob, just maybe Game of Thrones will not be able to stick the King's Landing. What do you mm. think? Is Game of Thrones going to be able to pull this off? Will David Benioff and Dan Weiss be able to satisfy every customer in the house? Or is it a lost cause? Okay. So I will tell you that it will be a mixed bag. There will be people who say that they loved it. And there will be uh, millions of tweets and people who are going to complain that they ruined the show and the ending stunk. So yeah. It's going to be a, it's going to be a mixed bag. And I do think that they probably will be able to walk away from this with a more satisfying or satisfying is not the right word. But I think that in terms of and we always compare it to Lost, which is your original OG love. And Lost had so many things that they needed to try to do in the final season because it was a show built on so many mysteries. And I think that where Game of Thrones is able to come in here is that are there that many mysteries or have we been following the story of characters here? So I think that they need to have satisfying or at least uh, endings that make sense for their characters, but they don't need to untangle a lot of hocus pocus mysteries. Yeah, and I think, you know, having rewatched Lost very recently and about to rewatch Lost again, uh, if you guys just want to be paying attention to your podcast feeds at some point in the next few months, uh, I, my takeaway on, on the rewatch of, of Lost was that actually a lot of that character stuff was, was very satisfying and the most satisfying stuff from the final season was the character work. Yes. It's just, I think, I think, I think that the, the, um, like the, the framing of what what was at the stake expectations exactly were, were yes. a scoot. yes yes they were wildly a scoot uh that i think people were you know really expecting like the mystery of the island to be resolved in a super satisfying way or you know whatever question that was and i think that game of thrones uh i don't think as necessarily a conscious reaction to lost by any stretch of the imagination i don't think uh to say that lost's influence was felt that profoundly on game of thrones would be uh an overstatement of its importance but i think maybe culturally our expectations of what we want out of a show maybe that has shifted a little bit mm -hmm. um just in in the in the public uh popular consciousness uh and i i think you're right that i i think that more than just about anything else I think when you think about what do you want resolved, what do you want answered in the final season, it's more like, is Daenerys going to live? Yeah. Versus is Daenerys going to win? At least for me. Uh, and I think like, you know, who's going to live? Who's going to die? Why are they alive? Why are they dead? Why is Westeros the way that Westeros is going to be by the end of this show? These are kind of meat and potato questions that should be relatively easy to answer in if not a, a fully satisfying way for everybody then at least in a way that should be if done well truthful um so i think that benioff and weiss for the most part have done a really good job of satisfying character arcs i think even some of the ones that we didn't like a lot on first glance when you and i did our winter was here rewatch i think we walked away from some of those moments being like well it actually kind of adds up 
um, you know, like the little finger stuff, it, like the, the, some of that material that led up to it was really not great, but the, the actual like act of, of killing some of these characters off made more sense on review. So I, I expect to be satisfied. I think that I'm going to like it a lot. I think that I'm going to walk away from Game of Thrones being impressed by the grandeur, by the scope, by, um, you know, just the, the uniqueness of how they're going to frame some of these episodes. Like, we're, we know that we're getting into, at some point this season, some sort of humongous, massive battle of Winterfell episode. I can't imagine we're going to be unimpressed, you know, by at least the scale of that I don't thing. think we've ever been unimpressed by a battle on Game of Thrones. So I, I feel like, or, you know, at least the ones that have been, like, fairly hyped up. And, like, there's so much that's hyped up, like Clegane Bowl stuff. Like, even though a little bit of this is, like, kind of paint by the numbers to some degree, I think, uh, in terms of some of the story expectations, I think it's all going to come down to execution. And I'm going to go ahead and be optimistic, and I think that the execution is going to be great. And I think that Game of Thrones is going to finish its run in a way that Game of Thrones' legacy as one of the most impactful, unique, impressive dramas of our time will remain intact. I think that the hardest part for the creators of the show is going to be, well, how much do you want to sort of satisfy the audience who I think for the most part would like happy endings for our protagonists for, say, for instance, if uh, any of our, you know, main principal uh, protagonists die during this season how is that going to be? Res- oh, you ruined the show. Like, what What will the reaction to that be? And then also, how do you, you know, close out this story in a way that actually makes sense? I think all of that will be good. I'm sure we will find something to complain about. I'm sure, sure we will find sure. a few things to complain about. Uh, but I think by and large, we're going to be satisfied. And by we, I mean, I think you and I. I don't know. I can't, I can't speak for anybody else. But I think my impression of you and me and our expectations of Game of Thrones and what we like about the show, what resonates with us for our tastes based on, right. uh, you know, the, the nearly 70 episodes of Game of Thrones you and I just went through in the past year and a half. I feel like we're going to walk away from this thing pretty satisfied. And to the email, it was Andy, right? Yes, that's right. Uh, that, uh, you know, uh, Andy called it uh, the greatest show of all time and also that uh, he expects it to be. I think Andy is going in with a really high bar. And yeah, I would say, agreed. let's just medium bar and medium bar. And then if it exceeds your expectations, you're doing great. And I, I don't think it's going to be a disaster. So medium yeah. expectations, I think, are probably uh, the correct way to go into this. I think that this is like one of the most ambitious shows of all time. Uh, I think that the the stuff that Game of Thrones has been able to accomplish, it's the likes of which we've never seen before. And it's hard to imagine seeing, um, you know, the the wonder of Game of Thrones when it is at its peak. Uh, I can't imagine that we're going to see anything so like immediately agreeable. Uh, in that regard, again, for a very long time, even in the era of peak TV and maybe even especially in the era of peak TV, when there is so much out there that it's really hard to rise above the noise and really break out in this sort of singular way. There was a great article in New York Magazine recently about how Game of Thrones is sort of the final water yeah. cooler show, uh, which I which I liked a lot. And I and I the found a lot of, of resonance in 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 a way or or the end of a certain era of like this is the this is winter you know, is coming. Winter is here, you know, and and I think on on those levels, uh, I expect to be impressed on those levels. I expect that like 
uh, all of like the the holy crap moments that you would come to expect from like a huge wall to wall battle episode of Game of Thrones. I expect we'll, it'll it'll deliver on those notes. Uh, but greatest show of all time, uh, I agree, is a really lofty expectation to set for yourself. And I've said this before on Twitter. I don't know that I've ever said it on a podcast before, but when I've like tweeted it, I've had people be like like taken aback or surprised that this is my take. But Game of Thrones to me is it's certainly not the greatest show of all time. And when it comes to, like my personal favorite shows of all time, I don't think it really even cracks my top 10. Uh, there's a lot of incredible wow. TV out there. There are a lot of incredible stories out there. Game of Thrones happens to be one of the one of the best. Uh, but there's so much out there that, you know, ends in such incredible, satisfying fashion um, that even like the, the process of, of comparing one to one. Uh, it's it's futile, as the Borg would say. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, what, what's know, it's, number one on your list? Umbrella Academy? Jeez. <laughs> I mean, Josh Wiggler, top 10 all time TV shows revealed. Sounds like one hell of a podcast. That would be a fun podcast. Uh, and Game of Thrones would, you know, if I probably really sat down and evaluated it, it's, it's very possible that Game of Thrones would make it. Like if Game of Thrones isn't in that top 10, it's, you know, not very far outside of it. I love this show. I happen to love a lot of shows. Uh, so I, I think like if you have the expectation level that this is going to be a good ending, it's, it's going to be Game of Thrones. If you enjoyed Game of Thrones this far, I think you're probably going to enjoy the final season of Game of Thrones. Then I think that you can just strap in for the ride and let this thing unfold. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, with that, with that being said, why don't we, why don't we dig in a little deeper and let's get a little more specific. We got a couple of versions of this question. Let's just take the most succinct version of it. And this is from Matt who writes in and says, what will be the last scene of the series? What will the symbol of ice be? What will the symbol of fire be? Rob, what do you think we're going to see as the final image of Game of Thrones? Samuel Tarley with a feather quill, dipping it into an inkwell <laughs> and writing the opening book of uh, A Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, I mean, I can see it. So, so you're subscribing to that theory that uh, Sam mean, is going to If, if we're doing a draft of what is the last scene of the show, I think that that would be a good number one pick. Yeah, I think that that's, uh, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of like what is like the the full circle quality of Game of Thrones and is there something from like the very beginning of the show that can be reflected back upon yeah. us at okay. the very end. Uh or then uh my second pick is uh time traveling Bran Stark puts mm-hmm. the first brick down on the wall. Yeah, I think uh I I mean that's going to drive people insane if that <laughs> But I think the location is right. I think the location is right. I think that uh, I think that the powers that be at HBO with like the way that they're advertising this final season is like for the throne, for the throne, all of that. Uh, I think it's intentionally misdirecting us towards missing the greater point that Game of Thrones has been trying to establish from the very beginning which is like all of that stuff, the the King's Landing, you know, political wheeling and dealing. It's great. And it's the it's the stuff that's made this show so excellent. Uh, but it ultimately doesn't matter in the face of the White Walkers. It doesn't matter in the face of certain doom. So I think like the temptation of it's going to end with the resolution of who is on the Iron Throne. Uh, I, I don't think that that's what we're going to get. We'll get an answer to that question one way or the other. But I would bet that the that the show ends 
at the wall, uh, you know, as it began, the show began with the gate at Castle Black lifting up as three riders ventured out into the north, only to be uh, two of them murdered by White Walkers and one of them shortly thereafter executed by Ned Stark. I think that the final image of Game of Thrones will mirror that in some way, whether that's three riders going back out into the north to once again protect mankind from the possibility that White Walkers are out there or perhaps just the gate shutting uh, and closing the book on Game of Thrones forever. Okay. All right. My prediction. Beginnings I also, I also think uh, Sir Pounce will then run past <laughs> uh, the the gate. Yeah. Zombified Sir Pounce will show up. We'll see. Uh, that would be a tricky one to call your shot on before we even uh, start the Ocho. Yeah. Do you think Sir Pounce will be in the Ocho or no? No, they said Cersei killed him, right? Yeah, they said they tor- he, she tortured him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very tri- still very triggering for me. I don't like that. Yes. I don't like that, that at that, all. The sad part of the story. Sad part of the story. All right. How about a question from the great Sir Brendan of House Fitzy? Yes. Uh, this, this is from our good friend Fitzy, who wants to ask us about some character pairings. This is one of the most exciting parts of the deal heading into the final season that the stories are all starting to fold back in on each other. So Fitzy writes in and says, talk about some of the first time pairings or reunions you're looking forward to most. Personally, I'm really most intrigued by Jamie and Bran and how that is going to go down. Uh, so that's Fitzy's pick. How about you? Are you excited for Jamie and Bran to get back together? Uh, not particularly, only because that Bran is so unemotional like uh, maybe jamie might be the more interesting to see how he handles that where you know the things we do for love was his reasoning there and i'm sure that he or i think he would be somewhat apologetic thinking of all the things that he has done for cersei to this point only to have uh cersei not always reciprocate those feelings to him where bran as we saw in season seven just like yeah, you push me out the window. I understand you and Cersei do terrible things. I've seen them yeah. all. You know, yeah. uh, I, I don't. He's just so monotone that I, I don't know the, what kind of emotional payoff that would be. I wonder if uh, the emotional payoff would be that seeing Jamie, the man who pushed him out the window and sent him on this journey uh, and, and Bran having never come to terms with that, as far as we know, Bran doesn't know that yet. I mean, Bran says he knows everything, but we haven't seen him, you know, confront that. We've never seen that. We've never seen Bran say, Jamie pushed me out the window. As far as anybody knows, nobody knows what really happened to Bran still. Uh, so could this be the thing that shakes him a little bit loose, right? Like, could this be the thing that gets Bran uh, to, to open up and be emotional again, to be a little more human again? Uh, I think that could be really fun to see after, you know, seven episodes of, uh, of you know, Three-Eyed Raven robot mode. Uh, I think it could be fun to see Bran actually have some human reactions in in, uh, the final episodes here brought on by by Jamie, whether or not that's like it triggers some trauma for him and it makes him vengeful or if it like shows uh, Bran's ability to to empathize with Jamie, like if he's able to like kind of appreciate where Jamie is coming from, having, uh, you know, having, you know, seen all of Jamie's bad deeds, his good deeds, everything like that, uh, based on his ability to see time, you know, in, in all of its forms, I think could be interesting. Now, is it possible that when Bran meets Jamie, that he's like, thank you for pushing me out the window because yeah. you, that you yes. 
sent me on this journey and now I, I have a uh, great work to do and I understand that you have to do it. So is that a possible reaction? Yeah, it is. And I think that that could very possibly be like a remarkably emotional scene. Uh, and that speaks to what we're talking about. Like, I think that's the stuff. I think that stuff can surprise us. Like, I think like the, you know, the character fates ultimately that can surprise us too. But I think like the, the interpersonal, uh, reunions and reconnections, uh, can, can come about in ways that are, uh, really genuinely shocking and, and moving. And I think brand being like, not only forgiving Jamie for what he did because he like, he understands why he's the Kingslayer. He understands the bad deeds he's done because of hubris or because of pain. Maybe they'll be best friends. Who knows, right? Or, or like maybe like Jamie will like be, you know, he'll, he'll have that reception from Bran and Jamie will, you know, end the series choosing like, I will do everything in my power to die for this kid. Like I will, I will not let anything happen to him. Uh, like that could be remarkably touching. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think all of that is, is totally possible and be, would be really exciting. How about some of these other characters? Who else are you, uh, who else are you excited to either see meet for the first time or reconnect for the first time in a long time? Boy, uh, reconnect first time, long time. Uh, I mean, I feel like we have not seen Arya and the Hound back together. I feel like that that would be, uh, exciting to get them to, uh, back in one place. What's your prediction? Is that going to be uh, well met? Will we get a hug? I don't think we'll get a hug, but I think no. that... Uh, it's not touchy-feely. Yeah, yeah, I think that there will be uh, some fondness. I think that Sansa and Tyrion, to be reunited, what's uh, that going to be like after last uh, appearing together back in season four? Uh, that's another good one. Yeah, I think if we get a healthy amount of Sansa and Tyrion together in the first few episodes, like if if there's like multiple scenes of just the two of them together uh, in like the first two or three episodes, I'm really at that point just going to move all in on Tyrion and Sansa will uh, reunite their marriage by the end of the show. I'm looking oh, out for that. OK, watching out for that. Uh, who else? Uh, John and Arya. I would love to. I'm, I'm really excited to see how that's going to play out. Mm-hmm. I think just, you know, uh, that's going to be uh, obviously one of the big ones is it, they haven't been apart from each other for nearly as long as some of these other characters. Uh, Sunday and Grey Worm. Uh, no, no. Can't care less. Uh, John, John and Sam and John and Bran. Like, how are they going to resolve where where we left off with that cliffhanger? Right. Sure. With, with them de- deducing that John is secretly a Targaryen and he's the heir to the Iron Throne. What's the fallout of that going to be? How immediately are we going to feel that fallout? Uh, I think all of that could be uh, could be really, really fun to chew on. And I, I would not be shocked if that's some of the stuff that we're dealing with in this first episode back. Okay. How about some uh, some popular theories that we're not going to see play oh, out okay. on Game of Thrones. All right, so now uh, tell me how you put this list together. Okay, so uh, how, how? well, I, I haven't put the list together so much as this is a question from Josh from the Great White North who says, what are some of the most popular fan theories that there is no chance that Game of Thrones can address in the final season? And he posits one, which is like such as Tyrion as a Targaryen, for example. So I think that that's a great place to start because if Tyrion Lannister is secretly a Targaryen, that is only in the book. There is absolutely absolutely no chance that this final season of game of thrones is going to suddenly reveal to us that not only is Jon snow a targaryen but Tyrion is as well no time absolute zero percent chance that that is going to come to pass anything of that level that comes to mind for you rob that we just absolutely will not see in the final season i mean 
I watch a lot of videos on Game of Thrones. I, I haven't done it recently, but there was a point where I used to watch all of these uh, different YouTube creators who had all these different theories about yes. things on Game of Thrones. And you hear the theory and it's like, oh, well, that makes some sense. But in only six hours of show, it does seem kind of implausible to think that we're going to get to uh, too many things that are really off the deep end. Yeah, Tyrion Targaryen, not going to happen. Uh, Bran Stark is the Night King, not going to happen. Oh, really? You're no. that out on it? I'm out on it. I think like the the amount of like uh, like have like the the level to which we would have to buy in on time travel in Westeros, it's too much. And not that they haven't you know done some work in that regard. The whole Hodor thing really helped out, but that mm-hmm. was like that itself was such a heady, trippy, crazy thing that. I, I feel like to turn that into such a central point of Game of Thrones would be really surprising to me. I would be really shocked. I mean, I could see that one. I, I would not say that there is a 0% chance. Uh, is it unlikely? Uh, perhaps. But I definitely could see a scenario where Bran is like, oh, you know, the, you know the, the Daniel Faraday of it all, where he realizes that, oh, no, it was necessary for there to be a Night King. And that's my destiny to ultimately go back and be the Night King. Oh, God. Oh, man. I hope not, man. I really hope not. I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen. Well, first we have to go back and build the wall and then yeah, do right. the Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lady Stoneheart, zero chance. No, that's not happening. We, we, we had our shots. We had multiple shots to see Catelyn Stark return from the dead after the Red Wedding, be zombified and be all gross and stuff and kill Freys and Lannisters and blah, blah, blah. Anything that Lady Stoneheart has to do in the books still Seems like that's been accomplished by other characters on the show. There's only 432 minutes of Game of Thrones left. There is zero minutes for Lady Stoneheart. There is no room at all for the Lady Stoneheart at yeah. all. Just not, uh, I'm not, with a, you on not that a possibility. One. Not a possibility. Um, what do you think about Serio uh, Pharrell being alive? What um, percentage would you give that? Yeah, I think... I think it's slim. I I wouldn't say zero. Uh, Remember, you know, we've seen Uncle Benjamin come back. And so I would say it's probably around like a two or three percent chance. Yeah, you say it's zero. I was rewatching some of the Serial Pharrell scenes fairly recently. And that is it is a it is such a contrast to where Game of Thrones is now. Just stylistically, tonally. I feel like I feel like Serial Pharrell does not fit into modern Game of Thrones. I feel like it would be so jarring for that character to show back up again. I think that there is no chance. If he did return, uh, I think that it would be under, you know, uh, Jack and Hagar has been with Arya the whole time and he was Serial Pharrell and then he was Jack and Hagar and that he is also in Westeros in this final season. But how does that play with our working theory that every character on Game of Thrones is Jack and Agar, much like how you and I are actually Bill Posley? Mm. Boy, well, that one is uh, probably up there with uh, Bran and the Night King. Yeah, working into a dragon, like lock it in. That's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a specific theory that I I had not really paid much attention to that is being called to our attention by uh, a listener named Paul. 
Paul writes in and says, you guys have a point of view on the theory that Littlefinger is still alive and circulating. Yes. In the episode where Arya spies on him, there's a scene where Littlefinger is speaking to a lady and he gives her a coin. In the scene, the woman says, your time is up thus warning Littlefinger of trouble ahead. You guys buy into the theory that it was one of the faceless men who was killed and not Littlefinger. What do you think? Any chance that Littlefinger no, is still no, alive? No chance. Yes. Uh, one, I think that Bran would sort of be on to that, no? Uh, if that I would, wasn't I'd really like to think him. So. Yeah. If you kill a faceless man or woman uh, when they are wearing a face, do they like end up being unmasked? I don't know how the mechanics of that works is the face dissolve. Right. And why would a faceless person agree to stand in for Littlefinger seem to know all of the same stuff that Littlefinger knew in that final episode? That's got to be a lot more expensive than just a coin too, like uh, to pay for that service of uh, we also offer dying for you as one of our services. No chance. Cost is one coin. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I think a a zero chance that Littlefinger is still alive. Now, what do you think about the idea that Arya at some point may wear Littlefinger's face, could pose as Littlefinger for a scene or two? I don't think so also, because we have already seen this gag with Walder Frey at the opening in the season seven. So uh, I don't think that we're going to do this uh, gag again to who Who are we going to do. This? She's going to go to like the King's Landing and meet with Cersei as Littlefinger. Yeah. If they haven't heard the news yet that Littlefinger is dead, suddenly Littlefinger is going to show right. back. Like they up haven't gotten a gonna... raven about this uh, and, and Ari can get there quicker. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's impossible that we will see like Arya try to get into King's Landing as Littlefinger. I, I think that there may be some possibility to that. OK, um, I would ra- I would rate that a little bit higher than some of the other ones that we've been we've been talking about. Not at higher than the fact that everybody is secretly Jack and Hagar. I think that that's probably number one here. Speaking of Arya, this is from Mr. Robot Taryn. A uh, very specific version of Taryn, uh, who writes it and says, Recently on April Fool's Day, Macy Williams went on The Tonight Show and joked that Arya oh, this will is die annoying. This is annoying. in episode two. Yeah, so on, on, I guess Macy Williams went on The Tonight Show and joked that Arya will die in episode two of the final it season. It was a hilarious April Fool's joke. Yeah, we know how you feel about April Fool's pranks. I yes. feel similarly. Uh, Mr. Robot Terran continues. Does this put Arya in the clear from not dying at all? I would have suspected the producers were okay with the prank if Arya doesn't die at all in the final season. So what do you think about all of this, Rob? We've got Macy Williams going on TV, making a joke about Arya dying in a very specific episode, very specific timing. Is there any way that that's true? Does it uh, mean that we shouldn't be worried about Arya at all? Does it mean that we should actually be incredibly worried about Arya because this is an attempt at a misdirect? And therefore, if we should be worried about both things, should we be worried about nothing because it's not worth worrying about Mm -hmm. anything because so many possibilities exist? And if that's the case, does anything mean anything at all? (laughs) So, yeah, uh, and uh, which cup has the poison in it? Right. (laughs) Okay. So never mess with us, Sicilian. We we need Antonio for the. the, Yes. (laughs) Wait till he gets going. Yeah. (laughs) So 
I would say that I actually do think that this uh, very humorous joke means that I think that Arya will not die in this season. And uh, or I will say that only she dies if all of our heroes die. If like almost everybody dies due to like some like extinction level event, then she dies. But in terms of her character just being offed while many others survive, uh, I don't think that's going to happen now. For the sake of some continuing intriguing drama for us to be charting across the season, I will take the opposite stance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, I, and I believe in the opposite stance as well. I'm not just trying to be contrarian. I do think Arya will die. I think that she is the uh, the Stark that is uh, likeliest to die outside of Jon Snow and technically he's not a Stark. Uh, I think that she is, I think there's, there's much more future for Sansa. I think there's so much that's built into Sansa surviving that I think that she's going to be safe i could see an argument for brand not making it or at least not being like a human anymore by the end of the show but i just i still struggle to see what the future is for aria uh, at winterfell at the very least maybe some version of this that ends where aria much like nymeria the direwolf is roaming the world and is seeing the sights and uh faceless menning people and you know, killing me. people that's not me um but i i think that Nope. There's no one on the show that people can agree to love more than Arya. Like, I think like the, the, the greatest net of Game of Thrones fans would agree that Arya is a great character. Like, I think that they're, you know, maybe Tyrion uh, competes with that. So I think that they're, she's polling at like 99%. Yeah. 99%. Yes. Yes. Craster levels of polling. And I, and I think if Game of Thrones is going to be true to itself, in the uh, final season, then it has to break our heart. And I don't think that there's a better way to break our hearts than by killing Arya. Like, I think that the, the maximum amount of heartbreakage comes from the death of Arya Stark. So I'm as, as ready for it as one can be ready for something like that. Cause I think it'll be very traumatic and terrible to watch if it happens. Um, but I'm, I'm waiting for it. Mm. I'm braced for the Arya Stark death. Jimmy Fallon ruined it. I don't know. I think that this could all be like trying to get us like feeling like there's no way that they'll kill Arya if they keep joking about it. And then they'll like actually kill Arya. I don't think she'll die in episode two. She'll make it a little further than episode two. But kill her in episode one. That'd be crazy. Yeah. I mean, nuts. Okay. Oh, my God. Um, All right. How about how about this for another crackpot theory? You ready? Ready. This is from Stacy. Stacy says, and a couple of people wrote in with this one, actually. Uh, is there any chance that Cersei is lying about being pregnant as some sort of ploy? Yeah. That was my take when watching season seven. I mean, she's lied about pretty much everything else. Uh, and I said a crackpot theory, but I feel like that's underselling the possibility that this this might be true. Mm-hmm. I'd, like to, I'd like to think that Cersei isn't lying about being pregnant because I think that there is a lot of interesting material to be mined from Cersei having another child on the way. But that being said, as Stacy mentions, Cersei lies about everything. Uh, should we, should we not be underestimating, you know, the incredible capacity of cruelty of Cersei Lannister as the queen of thorns once advised us? Is it possible that she's not only trying to scam Jamie and Tyrion, but also the audience in shoring up some kind of sympathy for a child that doesn't even exist? I don't think it's impossible. I'd say there's like a 10% chance that that is the case. It would just be very confusing 
for why you know at what length uh did she go to in order to do this like did jamie's behavior change at all because of cersei's uh, pregnancy i know that she used it uh to manipulate Tyrion, but she had already said that she was pregnant to jamie beforehand so I- i'd be surprised if they did this I would be pretty surprised as well. I think it's another thing where there's so much that needs to happen in this final season that for this to be something that the show chooses to spend time on feels like a really curious choice. But that being said, it is something that could be revealed and dealt with in a matter of scenes, you know, just a couple of scenes. So the the revelation and resolution of uh, of Cersei turning out to not be pregnant uh, is less complicated than some of the other things that we're talking about. So I, I think there's some possibility behind it. It would just be crazy. It would be a really wild night on Game of Thrones. Um, and I, I don't think it's going to happen, but I, I don't want to rule it out as a possibility. Yeah. Um, let's stick with Cersei. This is from Spencer Y. Spencer Y writes in about Cersei and says... Knowing that this truncated season will feature an incredible battle at Winterfell where the good guys will likely take a loss and a likely climactic battle at King's Landing in a future episode where hopefully our heroes will take a win, where does this leave time for our heroes to battle Cersei, to battle Uncle Greyjoy and the Golden Company? Is the show going to squeeze in this conflict between the two major battles? Would it be addressed in the series finale episode? Or could this just be a misdirect and Cersei's sneaky plot against the heroes never gets off the ground as the Night King is way too big of a threat and force of destruction? What do you think about this, Rob? Because the way we've left Game of Thrones as we've, as we've left season seven is that Cersei is not on board with the Alliance of the Living. She says that she is. It's a lie. She's planning on hiring the Golden Company, this group of sellswords, to basically sneak attack Jon Snow and Daenerys Targaryen and everybody. She wants them all to die. She wants them to lose. And then they can deal with the battle with the White Walkers if they have to still, if Jon Snow hasn't been able to pull it off. Is that going to come to fruition? Or is Cersei going to get to a point at some point in the final season where she authentically decides, I have to get on board with Jon Snow and Daenerys? How is this going to play out? So I think that you said this during our rewatch in season seven that uh, the good guys battle the Night King and uh, the army of the dead. And that takes place prior to a confrontation with Cersei, where Cersei is the final boss, not the Night King. Yeah, I think that it's not impossible that they are simultaneous final bosses, like where where like the, well, how the would that army. Work? I think that the army could get beaten down, uh, beaten down uh, <laughs> past Winterfell, could be forced into some sort of point in the south where they have to, like, defend against the army of the dead from King's Landing. Or maybe Cersei and her forces march up in some capacity uh, and the battles are kind of raging on simultaneously. We also can't forget that uh, the Night King does have a dragon. And he could fly anywhere. You know, the army of the dead could be doing their thing in Winterfell. The Night King could take off for King's Landing or wherever the Night King wants to go. And Jon Snow would have to would have to go and track him down or Daenerys would have to go and track him down. So it's not impossible that the Night King could be headed to King's Landing and like a select crew of the army of the living 
goes off in pursuit of him. And while there is stuff being dealt with in Winterfell, now there is this other battle that has to take place in King's Landing. And then you can kind of do the, the Cersei and Night King final stories simultaneously. Mm-hmm. I still like your uh, the theory better. Yeah, I think so. I like it better, too. Mm-hmm. But I think I think uh, we have to deal with Cersei's treachery. That's not something that can just be swept under the rug. And I think also thematically, it's a it's a huge part of Game of Thrones. You know, this is like the final example of like, you idiots, just get it together. There are ice monsters trying to kill all of you. Mm-hmm. Like, stop. Just just like, let it go. Stop fighting each other for a second and fight together. Like, fight with each other uh, against this thing. And, you know, that has been the the, the message of of Game of Thrones in terms of, you know, what it's trying to echo about the real world, I think, for the entirety of its run. And I, I think for that to not play out in the final season in some capacity would uh, be false to the premise of Game of Thrones. So absolutely, I think that there's going to be time to deal with both Cersei as a threat and the Night King as a threat. Uh, and even though the Night King is the more supernatural uh you know power uh of of the two uh, i think in their own way cersei and the night king are of equal importance in the the level of danger that they pose to the to the greater cause so uh i think we'll i think we'll see both of those handled pretty well um death draft yeah let's do it let's do death draft let's do death draft let's get into some death draft action here uh this is the final time that we are going to be able to do something like this rob I feel like it would be fun uh, to to plant our flags on who is going to live and who is going to die here in Game of Thrones. And a lot of people, a lot of listeners wrote in, they want to see us do a death draft. They're all doing their own death draft. So some of them want us to weigh in so that we can help them with their death drafts. They're on the edge of their seats waiting to see what we are going to do here. So, okay. Exciting times. Exciting okay. times. All right. So how's this going to work? Uh, so, I mean, there's there's lists out there. There's like di- different like uh, templates for yeah, how Jeremiah people, Panhorse uh, sent me one. Yes, I saw that as well. I love Jeremiah. Uh, there's a, a list of like every single character on Game of Thrones and you can choose live, die or gets turned into a White Walker. We'll be here all day if we go through every single character. So I, I think we should not do that. Okay. Uh, I, I think that's just going to take too much time. I think uh, as is our classic move here on these podcasts, uh, Sand Snake Draft, I think, would be uh, the way to go. Not Sand Snakes as in we will see them again. They are all dead and we will never see them again. Uh, but we'll do this Snake Draft order of you and I will both pick three people per team of who will die one of us starts then we'll do snake draft order to to pick the two and three and so on and so forth all right so who is going first uh in the draft how 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 would you like to decide this you Mm. want me to go do you want to go what do you want to do okay uh let me go first let me go first okay you go first and we're only gonna do three each yeah we'll take three each three people to die uh we'll we'll do here we'll 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 do this a little bit elaborately uh i'll try not to do it too elaborately but we'll do we'll do a couple of drafts we'll do them as quickly as we can uh three people to die three people to survive one pick to rule them all who's going to be the the king or queen on the iron throne by the end of the show so we'll do we'll do death first then we'll do who's going to survive and then we'll we will we will do the who's going to rule in in the end and who's going to remember all this brendan fitzpatrick i'll write it down i'm writing it down okay all right i got you all right so i will go if i if i have the first pick i think the number one overall 
the Peyton Manning in this draft, uh, I have to say John Snow. John Snow. John uh, Snow. Oh, I mean, sorry, I mean Aegon Targaryen. Oh, yeah, you got to use his actual name. It's very important. Why Jon Snow? Why do you think Jon Snow is going to be the, the king of the mountain to die? It seems like that Jon Snow's fate here was that he was brought back so that he can die. And he was you know very heavy handed, uh, even in season seven, that Jon Snow, his fate is ultimately to die protecting the people that he loves, perhaps Daenerys, perhaps uh, at Winterfell. But uh, Jon Snow, I do believe, uh, will die perhaps uh, with a child with a, with a, now with Daenerys that the child will go on to live. But I believe that Jon Snow will not make it out of this thing alive. All right. I agree. I totally agree. I think his fate is to save mankind and not be around to enjoy the fruits of his labor. Uh, I have I have laid out the case Already, I will just commit to the bit. I think Arya Stark is going to die. I am going to pick her first. You have picked a very sizable character in Jon Snow. I feel like it is only fair to pick someone of equal importance. Uh, so Arya is my first pick off the board. Okay, you are a man of your word. And yes. uh, I think that it is uh, not... Uh, I'm not as sold as you are, so uh, that's a. I I think it's a bold pick. Yeah, well, it might be a bold pick, but the next one will be. That's why you're the best in the business. I feel like the next one will be a slam dunk, so I will. I will go bold, and then I will just go easy. Barrister in the bold, he's already dead. I'll I'll take I'll take uh, I'll take somebody else who has been dead before, and I will take Beric Dondarrion. Beric Dondarrion. But, but, you know, he's it seems like he's alive. We've seen in the the trailer for the final season. He's still hanging about, even though he was on the wall when the wall blew up. Uh, So Beric somehow is still alive. Uh, There is there was absolutely no reason to bring that guy back onto the show if they weren't just going to kill him for a final time. So Beric Dondarrion, let's enjoy him while we've got him, because I don't think we'll have him for long. Okay. All right, then I will say with my number four pick. I'm going to go with Theon. I think that uh, Theon will get to die a hero. I think that that will probably be the best that he can hope for after all that he's been through. How much of the Iron Islands grief are we going to be put through, though, in order to get to how much grief are we going to get put through? I think uh, that we will feel as if that we are uh, being flayed by (laughs) Ramsey. Uh, I think I think uh, we'll get I think at least, uh, you know, 30 minutes of screen time. OK. Oh, God. A lot. <laughs> yeah. A lot of screen time. That is, that is a lot. Uh, okay. OK. So give me Theon and I will say uh, I'm, I'm torn between two people. Okay. One is a little bit more ambitious. And so. Uh, I will. Uh, you went bold with Arya. I'll, I'll say Varys, I think, is. Uh, I like it. I think you're right. I think you're right. You know, uh, we saw Melisandre, who w- was the other person I was thinking. I, I think Melisandre is another one that she's definitely going to die. But she said that Varys, you know, uh, you'll die in this land. And uh, although prophecy does not always come true on Game of Thrones, I'll say that uh, Varys, perhaps the spider, also has to be brave and bold and then he dies 
Yeah, I totally agree. I think we're going to get a Varys death at the end of the season, probably sooner than the end of the season. Uh, it will be very sad. It will be very tragic. We will be very depressed about losing such a great character, but it'll be a great moment and it'll be a great capper for the character. I think you're also right about Melisandre. Uh, and I think I could pick her and I would be comfortable with, uh, with scoring at least two deaths, if not all three, if the Arya one is too bold. But I think it's also a slam dunk that the Night King's going to die, right? Like the Night King's going to die. Night King can't make it. Night King's got to go. I'm going to take the Night what King. What if he gets you banished? Start- Oh, that would that'd be so stupid. Hey, we got a lot of other sequels and prequels and franchises. Oh, he's going to be in the prequel for okay. sure. But I think uh, I think we lose the Night King here. So uh, if you take Jon Snow, I'll take the Night King. These two will do battle. They will probably both die as a result of the battle. Mm. I'll take Night King as my. Yeah, my, I mean, I think there's a lot of other people on the board that you could uh, look at that are not making it out of this thing alive. You're on Greyjoy dead definitely is going to be dead you know what's interesting is actually so we're going to move on to who's going to survive and i think that this is like the bigger uh minefield is like who's going to make it out of game of thrones alive i think is harder because yeah like you're on you gotta imagine he's going to be dead cersei probably dead uh a lot of people who are probably like the mountain already kind of dead probably will be fully dead by the end of this thing maester kyburn that dude's dead mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who are told they're going to get iced in this final season Okay. All right. So the living draft, Josh, I will give uh, you the first pick here. All right. I will take the first pick here. Uh, And they better not kill Sansa Stark. I'm just, I'm going to be as a Fansa. I am going to be offended. Safe. Number one. If they kill Sansa Stark. So I will take, uh, there was another person who I thought was a fairly safe. Number one, but I think uh, starting with Sansa, I feel good about starting with Sansa. She's the queen in the North. It is known. She's going to make it. It'll be great. Okay. Uh, I will take Tyrion at number two. Yeah. Uh, what's your thinking behind Tyrion? It's hard to imagine the Tyrion death scene, uh, but I think for the same reasons as the Arya one, like Tyrion would be the other candidate that if like they do like some sort of brutal Tyrion death scene, uh, Game of Thrones Twitter is going to be on fire. It's going to be nuclear. I just feel like that Tyrion is the type of character that w- is the type of character that makes it through a uh, an epic journey like this. I hope so. I hope you're right. I don't want to see Tyrion die. I think, yeah, I feel like a Lannister has to still be standing by mm-hmm. the end of this thing. I haven't I haven't decided if I think that that's Jamie or if that's Tyrion, but uh, I'd be happy if it's Tyrion. I mean, for, and for him to die, die for whom, but die for what? Yeah, exactly. You know, if Shay was still in the picture, there's I mean, there's no great Tyrion love story that he would be falling on his sword for. Right. Yeah, I agree. I don't see. Uh, I don't see it either. Okay, then I will say with uh, my number three pick. Oh, boy, uh, this is where it's getting tricky. A lot of people. I will say. Okay, I'll go. I'll go bold here. Uh, I don't know if it's if it's that bold, but I'll say that Daenerys ends up wow. coming, out of, coming out of this thing. She could she could die, but I think that uh, if if they kill off Daenerys Targaryen, also, I think that people will uh, will will not be happy. And I think that uh, so much like Jon Snow, I think you, people can live with. But I don't know if the fan the, the fan base of the show can live with uh daenerys dying i think daenerys is probably gonna make it out of this okay as well 
Um, I do think it's a bolder pick with mm-hmm. some of the people who are on the board. I'll make a uh, less bold pick for my final one. Sure. Fair enough. Um, but I think you're probably ultimately right. All right. Who do I think will survive? Uh, last Baratheon standing. I'll take Gendry. They're Gendry. not going to kill Gendry. He's the last one. The, the Baratheons are all done if they kill Gendry. They're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. So, so he's going to be okay. And on a similar note, uh, last, last uh, Tarly in the house. They're not going to take out Samuel Tarly. Yeah. Samuel Tarly is going to make. Gendry and Samuel are going to be okay. Okay. Yeah, I think Sam is pretty safe. I know you have uh, boldly predicted that you think Gilly may not make it. Yeah, and I, I still think that that's possible. Uh, but I think that Sam would probably be fine. I think Sam would probably ultimately make it. Um, refer back to this moment when Sam is ruthlessly killed by White Walkers in like seven weeks from now. Or I guess it's less than seven weeks, right? Jeez, I, this is only like two episodes, two weeks left of Game of Thrones, it feels like. Okay, I'm kind of torn between two people. I think they're both going to make it. Uh, I'm going to say Davos. Yeah. Going to have him at number six overall. And uh, let me put an honorable mention on Missandei. Oh, wow. I think Missandei is going to die. Ooh, why? Yeah, I think that um, so I've come around to think that I think Sam and Gilly will both be okay. Um. I do think it would be just like it would be so cruel to kill Gilly when Sam has fought so hard for some happiness. I think that he's going to get happiness in the end. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that like we need uh, and I know it's not going to break your heart, but I think that, I, I think that they, they, they want to give us like the heartbreaker of like um, uh, the possibility of life that's extinguished as a cost of this war. And I think that Grey Worm and Missandei both dying would help to satisfy that. Uh, I could that, see them both dying, but I can't I see think. only one dying. Well, if only one died, I think you could see Grey Worm getting killed in a battle. Uh, but I, I could see like, uh, uh, again, to... Uh, so without saying names, reference a show that we've talked about on this podcast already. Like, you know, like the, the, the drowning together. Mm-hmm. I will never leave you again. You know, yeah. like I think something like that with Grey Worm and Masande is totally possible. Right. But they don't have any um, kids. Grey Worm and right. Masande. <laughs> as far as we know. Uh, I think, uh, and as far as my honorable mentioned, I've, I've said before, I think Tormund Giants Bane, I've, <laughs> I've said like half tongue in cheek is the safest character on the show. Uh, I, I don't know that I really believe that, but I, I don't think that he's going to die. They got to have a wild thing in this thing. Can so. we touch on real quick people that did not get picked in either draft? Sure. You want me to just uh, list out some people and then we can just yeah. say real quick. Just real, so yeah, real, real quick. Jamie Lannister did not get drafted in either draft. I can see him going either way. Gun to my head. I think he'll die. Okay. Uh, Cersei did not go in either draft. Uh, she's probably going to die. I think like life yeah. imprisonment is the best thing that she's looking at here. Okay, uh, Bran? Uh, Bran's going to turn into some sort of dragon tree monster, but he'll technically still be alive. Jorah? Jorah's dead. Jorah is so dead. Jorah's very dead. Return of the grayscale or stabbed in the face with ice uh, swords. Brienne did not go in either draft. I think Brienne's going to die. I Ooh. think Brienne's going to die, and it's going to be another one of those heartbreakers because a life full of possibility. But I think she entered Game of Thrones uh, in, a, in a battle scene, and I think she will exit Game of Thrones in a battle scene. Yara Greyjoy did not go in either draft. Nah, she's going to make it. Iron Islands forever. What does that mean? Never die. Blah, blah, blah. She'll make it. She'll be alive. Podrick Payne did not go in either draft. Brendan, earmuffs. 
I think Patrick Payne's toast. Oh, he's going to die for saving Brienne? Yeah, like some sort of thing like that. Best squire ever, and he's going to die for a night, and he's out of here. Wow. uh, The the generations of of people in in Westeros are going to miss out on the knowledge that dies with Patrick Payne. Okay. All right, and Gilly did not uh, go in either draft, but you mentioned uh, you think Gilly's going to be okay now. I think she'll be all right. I think the Hound, I have this new pet theory that the Hound is going to die briefly. And Beric Dondarrion is going to bring him back to life. I used to say that I think Beric Dondarrion will bring Jon Snow back to life. I've done some thinking about this and the, like the real Valyrian hat theory that I am allowing myself going into the final season is the hound will die in the Clegane Bowl and then the mountain will continue on to like rampage against people. And then uh, and then Beric will like find the hound's body in the corner somewhere. He's like, no, you have to defeat your brother. And then he'll give him his last life, and then the hound will show up, and he'll just tool on the mountain and destroy the mountain. Wow, uh, it's very elaborate, and it's not going to happen. But I, in my in my head canon, it's such a good series of events. I got to tell you. Okay. All right, Josh. Then uh, one other draft for us to do. Just real quick, who's gonna who's gonna be in charge of this whole thing when when all is said and done? Okay. Who will who will rule either if it's on the Iron Throne, if an Iron Throne still exists? Maybe the Iron Throne is this a draft exist. or this is just a pick? Just make a pick. Just make a pick. If we agree on the pick, we can share the pick. Boy, well, I think that the chalk pick has got to be Daenerys. I agree. That's the chalk pick, but that's not exciting. It's not super exciting. It's not super exciting. It's just so on the nose. uh, I feel like that uh, it will not be the case. But what would it be? Like, it's really hard to imagine what the other scenario is. Mm -hmm. You know, who's going to be who's going to be in charge of this whole thing? Mm -hmm. Uh, I've heard Gendry theories, but I can't. I like really, the Gendry theories. Yeah, I but I mean that the show started with Gendry's dad on the throne, and it's been widely reported about he was not a good ruler. I mean, do you think that Gendry will be a good king? Like, I feel like that we've done. We went through all this to get to a, a Gendry reign. I mean, he he knows what it's like to be one of the disenfranchised. He knows what it's like to be abandoned by the system, uh, to be overlooked by the system, to be persecuted by people in power. Uh, he's, you know, he's a, a man of the peeps. Uh, he's got the right name should he be legitimized. And uh, I the, the theory that I like the best with Gendry winding up on the throne is that it's beside Daenerys. And there is some kind of uh, like sort of like ceremonial Baratheon Targaryen alliance reforged and everything that brought everybody into such disarray in the first place. It's like, ah, forget all of that. The Roberts Rebellion stuff, we're over it. See, look, we're married. Yay. Peace is possible. Uh, So I can see something like that. But just Gendry himself being on the Iron Throne, a little harder to figure out how that happens. Boy. It's tough. This is a tricky question. And then I think that no Iron Throne, I think, is uh, probably another good contender. I was thinking that Daenerys could win the Iron Throne and like her first act as ruler of Westeros is to melt down the Iron Throne, like to symbolically destroy this symbol of power that is, you know, that's so emblematic of so much pain and uh, power imbalances left and right. And the Targaryens were the ones who created the Iron Throne in the first place. Aegon the Conqueror conquers Westeros, creates the Seven Kingdoms, melts down all the swords of the people who have submitted to his rule and turns it into the Iron Throne. For Daenerys, who has said, I'm going to break the wheel 
to literally melt down the Iron Throne uh, and either, you know, still be ruling or walk away or whatever. I think something like that to me, uh, I could I could see that. I could see that going down. What about Sansa? Any chance that she could end up on the Iron Throne? I think there's a chance. Mm hmm. There you go. I say queen in the north, but I'll take queen of Westeros yeah. for sure. Um, Jon Snow, is there a chance that I know we both think that he's going to die, but could he come out as uh, the rightful ruler as he was uh, declared in the final episode of season seven? I think that's going to be so annoying if that happens. Like, that's 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 so like the like the happy, the happily ever after fantasy ending if Jon Snow is the guy. Uh, and I don't think that's this show. I think that is going to be if that comes to pass. I uh, Jon like, Snow and Daenerys happily ever after as the king and queen of Westeros. And like, good for them. You know, I wish happiness for both of them. I'm not trying to be a bad guy here. It's just it's just not dramatic enough. It doesn't feel like the show. I feel like uh, I, 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 I just don't think so. And, and, and if that ends up being the way that we go, then it's just like, I don't know. It's a little yeah. too. Uh, a little too tidy for me. Are there any other dark horse candidates? Uh, I, I guess think Cersei. That, Cersei could uh, stay. Yeah, that would be crazy. The Night King. <laughs> yeah, the Night King, you know, just gets to kill everybody and, and uh, wins the day and stays stays on top. I think, you know, uh, Sansa is a dark horse in her own right. I think Tyrion is a dark horse in his own right. Uh but I'm hard pressed. To, uh, Gendry is a dark horse in his own right. I'm hard pressed to think of, of who else could wind up on the thing. I think just to j- just to to get us into the position to close this thing out, I'll I'll just pick first, and I I will say that the the chalk pick will be the pick. I think Daenerys will be uh, in the position to rule Westeros should she choose to uh, to keep that position. Okay, and uh, could I make no Iron Throne my official pick? Um, or do we want? Or is that too cute? It's a little cute, but I don't think that you're necessarily wrong. Because yeah, like that, that is an answer. Yeah. I mean, if, if, yeah. if nobody's on the Iron Throne at the end of the show, then um, then what are we trying to guess? Yeah, and I think like, I mean, I, I think that that's probably right, to be honest. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that's, that's probably how it's going to go down. Okay. Uh, uh, this is not a lot of contenders here. It's yeah, either, it's either just, Daenerys or nothing. It's just like someone very unlikely is going gonna, is gonna to sit on the thing. Okay. It's going to be uh, Davos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, great work. I'm here for that. Davos will be a great king. Yeah. The Onion King. Missande. <laughs> I don't think so. All right. So, Josh, what, what else is there to do before Sunday uh, night? Uh, to, to get snacks, get your mm-hmm. snacks ready. Yeah. Uh, binge all of our podcasts. The entirety of winter was here. If you have not done so already. Is there enough time? Uh, if you listen on double speed, maybe. I think, and I don't think maybe. Yeah, no sleep, double speed. Uh, don't bother rewatching the show. It's too late for that. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're too you're too late for that. Maybe you could rewatch the final season if you just want to be like fully caught up. You remember most of the show. That should get you in place. Okay. Um, but other than that, just hold on to your butts <laughs> because this thing's about to. It's all about to go down. Okay. All right. So. Stephen Fishback and I will be live after the episode. I think that we will probably just uh, have that out for you on Twitter, uh, Post Show Recaps Facebook page. Uh, We will have that on uh, YouTube as well. So uh, be on the lookout for that live 
all the same ways that you watch uh, Survivor Know-It-Alls, if that's a thing that you're into. Otherwise, we'll have the podcast up for you shortly thereafter. And Josh and I will have a feedback show for you coming on Monday. So get your questions in GOT at postshowrecaps.com. And of course, for all the outstanding coverage that Josh Wiggler is doing over at THR, check out THR.com slash Game of Thrones and follow at Round Howard on Twitter. That's me. Uh, Josh, what's the over under on articles that you'll have about the premiere? I've got the over under on just articles about the premiere at seven and a half. Oh, make it over. the Ocho. Make it the Ocho. Oh, it's over Ocho. It's okay. going to be over Ocho. Wow. Yeah, it'll be. I, I think uh, I think we'll we'll be in double dig. Double, we'll double dig. We'll be in double dig pretty easily. I wow. think it's going to be like uh, three to four on premiere night. Uh, wow. Yeah. This is I'm not I'm not kidding when I say this is this is going to be my life for the next little while. Okay, Uh, and uh, I shouldn't I shouldn't complain. I shouldn't complain. What a fun job it really is. I I I need to. When did you complain? You know, I, I I complain about the oh, I'm so tired, I'm so fried of doing what of talking about Game of Thrones. What a mm-hmm. charmed life! Yeah. This is this is the best stuff. This is the best stuff ever. So I'm I'm very very happy and grateful and very lucky uh, to to be doing this stuff in no small part thanks to a you Rob Sesternino who has uh, who has believed in me as a podcasting partner for so long. And be you, the people who are listening to these podcasts. I just can't thank all of you guys enough for reading, for listening, for interacting. It's been such a pleasure, and we are going to rock this thing pretty hard uh, in the next six and seven, six to seven weeks of uh, Game of Thrones coverage. It's going to be a really, really good time. Well, the pleasure is ours to get to have your expertise as we break down these uh, final six episodes. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. If you are uh, just uh, clicking on a link today, you can go to uh, postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes for our Post Show Recaps main feed or postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T-I iTunes. Uh, Josh Wiggler, uh, thank you, especially today for your patience as uh, we were uh, without a babysitter here at my house. And so uh, more than one interruption to the podcast recording. So, Josh, uh, thank the deleted you. Scenes on this podcast are tremendous. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They are some of this was one of my favorite podcasts I've ever recorded <laughs> for reasons that are largely going to be beyond people who listen to it. Uh, really, I've had an incredible time this afternoon. All right. Thank you guys so much. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Special thanks to our friends over at True Car for sponsoring this episode of Post Show Recaps. Every car comes with its share of stories that ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date. That luxury package you got after a big promotion or the mileage you save by riding your bike all summer long. While you can't put a price tag on your stories, now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car is worth when it's time to sell it or trade it in. Just go to True Car, simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details just pop up. Then... Answer a few questions. Navigation and moonroof. Watch as they're going to bump up your car's value. High mileage. You already knew it was going to cost you, but find out how much it's going to ding your wallet so you can plan ahead. And once you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or to trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True cash offer not available in all areas.